Hello, hello. Welcome everyone. 6 a.m. podcast. I'm not even going to lie. Don't even know what number we're on anymore. We've done, I've done a bunch of interviews this week that I'm really excited for you guys to see. I know we started with a couple early in the year and we're really ramping up. So with everything that's going on, I really just want to take a moment right now as we say hello to thank everyone who's, you know, the podcast numbers are doubling every episode. We have a lot of our customers, you know, all of you guys are really sharing it, giving us great feedback, even helping me become a quote unquote better host. I never, ever thought I'd be a podcast host, but I want to thank all you guys for your support and everything as we go on. And with that, you guys know I'm looking for guests you know, I'm like you guys, we all go through different things. We all have struggles. Nobody, I always say to everyone that Instagram world is, is not what it appears to be sometimes. You know what I mean? So I love what my next guest, and I don't want to waste any time. I know her time is valuable. Uh, we have a limited amount of time with her. So I want to get right into introducing, I, w- I will say who it is, but Charlene, if you can take it away and tell us about yourself, your role, you know, your mission now and everything, we'll get right into it. I want to welcome to the show and welcome to the 6am run family. Charlene Madden. How are you doing, Charlene? I am fantastic. Thank you for having me. Uh, No, thank you for, again, your valuable time. Please give us the bio, the intro. Who is Charlene Madden? Mm. Well, my name is Charlene Madden. I live in um, beautiful British Columbia, Canada. I am kind of right in the uh, foothills of the Rocky Mountains. I am a women's empowerment coach. I am a speaker. I am an author and I am a mental health warrior. And when I say that, I work very hard on helping to break down the stigmas that surround mental health, both for women and for men. And um, that passion comes from my own personal experiences of struggling with mental health for close to four decades. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. You know, tell us, and again, why I contacted you. One of the things we 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 really touch base on the pre-call and what I I get nervous, you know, especially I want to I I will say you some sometimes I think as an individual you you might like tiptoe around certain subjects, but you really came off the bat in our pre-call as an open book. But it's in a very I I, I can't explain the right words for it, but I'll just say it's in a very inspiring and motivating way. You know, you are, and I know it's cliche, but you are the definition of what doesn't physically kill you makes you stronger. Am I right? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, I was the one that almost killed me a couple of times, but um, yeah, I definitely, you have a choice to either let the experiences that you have bury you or you can rise above it. And I chose to rise above it and use everything I went through as a stepping stone to help other people not have to suffer with the things that they've gone through in their life. Yeah. I mean, if you want to kind of go into it, I mean, again, I do appreciate you shared with me personally, but if you want to kind of share with our audience, because I think we, and I kind of touched it in the intro, what I love about some of the guests we're getting is I think they're really giving our audience, you know, because on the facade, if someone posts a great run, they did, but you know, sometimes we don't know, sometimes they're running to get away from something, or sometimes they're running to forget something in their minds. We all have issues. I I don't care if you're the richest man in the world or the poorest person in the world. I think we all have issues day day to day. It's just, it's, we're human, right? Do you want to touch on your journey? Um, If you want to even start, because for you, it does, it starts from childhood, but that childhood, you you told me in the pre-call, I don't want to tell your story for you. I'd like you to share it, but what surprised me and I, I learned, it's unfortunately that that childhood 
became kind of like a gateway to open yourself up to other, I don't want to say mistakes, but open yourself up to other, was it bad situations that you found yourself in? Yeah, just bad choices, you know, because I, I'm very firm believer that life is the result of all of the choices that we make in life. Some of the choices are out of our control, as were was my case as a younger child. And I mean, tr- this is a trigger warning if anybody's got any issues with uh, childhood trauma. That's where this is kind of leading up to. I went through nine and a half years of childhood sexual abuse at the hands of my grandfather. I was placed to live with my grandparents when I was just three. So I went through uh, a lot of trauma there. And as I became a teenager, it just followed me into it because I didn't receive any counseling. There was no work done. Um, We're talking the, you know, mid eighties. So it was, you know, just becoming a thing back then to talk about it. And uh, because I didn't have the coping skills, you know, when I was thinking about your podcast, I was thinking, you know, running and I thought, wow, actually running is a really significant pattern in my life, maybe not physically as far as, you know, throwing on a pair of running shoes and running, but emotionally running away from my situations because I didn't have the coping skills. I didn't have the tools to deal with it. And that kind of set me up for a pattern of trying to run and outrun my mental health struggles, which sometimes no matter how far you run, you can't put down the things that you're carrying. And that was my situation. I just carried along my mental health struggles into my teenage years where I was extremely suicidal. And uh, at 15, I was diagnosed as manic depressive bipolar with no follow-up care. Once again, just kind of a pat on the back saying, don't worry, you'll be okay. And, you know, I graduated high school, moved uh, away because I thought if I ran away from the, the town I grew up in, things would get better. And of course, nothing really improved. And I was blessed to have three amazing children with my high school sweetheart, but my, you know, my coping skills weren't there. And when I was 28, I was in a decision of ending my life or leaving the home and my marriage and my children. And Mm -hmm. I made the decision because I wasn't a fit parent at that time that I needed to try to leave and get my stuff together. But again, no tools in the toolbox. That didn't happen. Got into another dysfunctional relationship that ended up being abusive. And two years later, I found myself overdosing on pills, trying to end my life and waking up in the hospital with tubes down my throat. Mm -hmm. And what did I do? My mother said, you should move and come out west into BC. So what did I do? I ran. I ran from the problems that I had in Ontario, thinking that they would be better if I moved to uh, out west but again you can run but you can't hide from yourself so so that kind of progressed i went through another 12 years of a domestic violent relationship because that relationship continued out west and after my partner left uh the relationship two months later he actually ended up committing suicide and taking his own life oh my god and you know i was just in a coping situation of trying to be okay which I wasn't and I about two weeks after he passed away started getting really angry and I was sitting with a friend and and she's going it's okay you know anger is one of the stages of grief and I said no you don't understand I'm not angry that he took his life I'm angry that he did it first because he has now robbed me of my opportunity to do it because I I see all the results of it 
And uh, so I just tried to slap a smile on my face, which is what I had become a master at, and just keep going through life. And about a year later, I hit another wall where I knew I couldn't keep going. Um, I had purchased a house and my intention of purchasing the house was to leave this to my kids. This was going to be the legacy I was leaving my kids. So I took possession of the house in uh, September and I had a date set in October to take my life. Oh my God. And I actually had the, um, the, about a week before the date was set, I had a hunting rifle in the backseat of my car. I had the place, the location was set. I was going on a Monday morning because we all know Mondays suck. So what better day to end your life, but on Mm -hmm. a Monday. And, um, but in the meantime, before that date, a friend of mine had said, there's this amazing women's workshop that I want to go to. I'd like you to come with me because I don't want to go by myself. And I was like, this is the last thing I want to do because, you know, like I'm given up. And, um, and she says, please, I don't want to go by myself. Well, we women especially tend to be caretakers and we're always worrying about other people. And so of course I wanted her not to, you know, have to go through this experience alone, even when I was going through my own things and I went, okay, fine, I'll go with you. And I walked into this room and I felt so out of place. And, you know, it was a Saturday morning because I'm looking at all these people who, and I mean, I equate this sometimes to going to a gym. You walk in and you see all these people there that seem like they belong. And mm-hmm. here you are, you feel like it's just another situation where you're completely out of sync with the world. Like I was watching these women all excited about the plan, you know, planning for their future. And here I was just trying to get through two days until I could end my life. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I'm sitting down and I'm listening to the first couple speakers and, you know, one's talking about finances and I'm thinking that's not relevant for me. And someone's talking about health and fitness. And I'm like, well, that's definitely not going to matter to me in two days. And then the afternoon came and I had a speaker come on and she started talking about self-love. Now, this woman was bald because she had alopecia. So she had lost all of her hair and she went through her early teenage years and, you know, the rest of her life struggling with this lack of self-love. And as I'm listening to her story, I can hear a little voice in the back of my head and it's like, well, what about us? Like, what about you? And I'm thinking, yeah, like how different would my life have been if I actually loved myself? If I stopped relying on getting validation from everyone else and just realized that my love was enough. I kind of brushed it, brushed it off. And then the next speaker gets up and she talks about living with mental health and depression, struggles with depression and how she had come to accept that as being a part of her life and loved that part of her as well. And now I'm sitting here and again, I can hear that voice going, what about you? And I'm thinking, yeah, like how different would my life be if instead of fighting and trying to run away from this part of my life, I learned to live with it and accept it as part of my life. You know, I didn't have to run away from like it, it was okay to not be okay. It just, I couldn't stay there. And then the next speaker gets on stage and he's talking about drug addiction alcoholism and living with mental health and how he was in a position one night where he had visitation with his kids and he'd found his perfect cocktail of uh, painkillers and booze and how he was slowly overdosing as his kids were right there in the house. And he heard this little voice in his mind and said, no, not like this. This isn't how it's supposed to be. And he 
called 911, got help, got clean, got sober, got help for his mental illness. And now he was out there sharing his story and his struggles. Now I hear this little voice again in my mind, only this time it's like way louder. And it's like, what about you? And I'm thinking, yeah, like, what if I'm here at this exact moment for this reason? Mm-hmm. What if I can take my, you know, almost a decade of sexual abuse, my, you know, four decades almost of mental health struggles. What if I could take my story and turn it into something for good instead of being for bad, like destroying my life? And it was in that moment that I realized that I, you know, I had more in my life, more to give, more to do. And it was like a light switch came on, you know, like you hear people talk about those Mm -hmm. moments that, you know, your aha moment, that was my moment. And I chose that moment that I was going to live and I have made it my mission and my passion and my purpose now to go out and share my story and my struggles with other people in order to give them the hope that, you know what, you don't have to stay. It's okay to feel this way, but there is hope at the end of the day. Yeah, I I think you kind of embody a little bit of the, there's one of my favorite kind of, it's not a mantra, it's like, a, it's a little bit of a mantra and it's also a little bit of a kind of like a folktale kind of thing. And it's like, there's a guy that, you know, wants to, and I've said this on a few podcasts, so people, I hope people aren't sick of me saying this, but you know, there's a guy that wants a Lamborghini, but for that guy that wants a Lamborghini, there's also another guy out there that just wants a car. You know what I mean? And then for the guy that's out there that wants a car, there's a guy that, you know, would just love to have a bike. Right. And then for the guy that has the bike, there's another guy somewhere out there that, you know, has no legs and would just love to walk one day. Right. Mm-hmm. So no matter what you have and think like, oh my God, I want something better. And in my life, I've also, I've seen it like you embody perseverance, which is, is something that even I think all of us struggle with every day. Right. It's that never give up kind of mentality, I think. And I, I think you had that in you. I think you just, from what I'm gathering, and then please correct me because I am not going to lie. You are the expert in this area and you deal with people in your situation. So, and I don't, so I don't want to, but what it seems like is I'm, I'm trying to, how, how I want to say it, you have choices every day to fight, to keep pushing. Right. And all mm-hmm. of us do. And you kind of, you needed, obviously you needed some support. And I think that's what it comes down to. One of the things, and I, I want to continue to let you tell the story, but I just, I, I feel like, again, we got, we, I just kind of use social media a lot because I feel like it's a false narrative, but you have to understand that you can't do things sometimes on your own. I hate the false narrative of, oh, just work hard or push through it because you needed that person to take you to that meeting. You needed, there was somebody, there was, you know, whether you're spiritual, whether you're not, but somebody, you know, I, I do believe things happen for a reason. I'm not the most, you know, like, and by the way, my family is and, and people around me are, I'm more spiritual than anything, but it seems like you were still guided. You still had help. Am, am I right? Like, and that's what you're doing now. Cause you can't do this alone in no way. No. And I think really at the heart of it, my struggle throughout everything was that I just desperately wanted connection. Yes. You know, like I wanted connection because I didn't have it as a child with my parents. I didn't it, have it, it, Connection or love where you never shown love or, and I don't say that in a root, please don't take that the wrong way. But was it, cause I do think we all need love at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. I think that, I think that mm-hmm. every day I try to, and I'm not trying to interrupt you, but even though sometimes my daughter pushes me away 
I force like in, not in a creepy way, but I try to hug her. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Like I want my daughter to know she's loved. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. Yeah. I think when we judge that, and this is like some of the work that I've done, like when we say we want love, sometimes we have a fixed idea of what love is supposed to look Mm -hmm. like. Like for my mom who was in and out of my life, you know, I would see my mom probably every four or five months. My mom's love was she would show up with gifts galore. Right. So I learned that time, here you go. Exactly. You know, like trying to make up, she was dealing with her own guilt and trying to make up for that by giving gifts. So I learned really early on that that was a love language. And, you know, even to this day, that's my love language because that's what I, I learned, right. Is giving gifts. My grandmother's love language was structure and discipline and, you know, and my grandfather, you know, I would hate to think that that was his love language, but so love is really how we see it coming from other people. But I really feel that, you know, love is great, but we can receive the love that we need from ourselves. That was for for me. It was when I truly, because that workshop that I went to, I went, I'm okay being alone. Like Mm -hmm. I made that decision, that workshop where I said, you know what, I can be alone for the rest of my life as long as I truly love myself, because that's all I need. You know, I don't need it from anybody else, but I did still crave connection. Yeah, I think, yeah, you 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 explained it way better. Yeah, no, it's funny because even my dad, you know, pushing me in sports, for example, you know, if I had an amazing game, you know, saying, but you didn't do this. And by Mm -hmm. the way, what's funny when you say that, I didn't realize that form of love till I had my own children and my Mm -hmm. own daughter started doing sports. And I found myself being that crazy dad a little bit, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it wasn't, it was cause I was like, Oh man, like it's cause I want her to be her best. Right. Like, Absolutely. but you know, growing up, I'm like, man, my dad is, and I, I curse a little bit by the way, Charlene. So forgive me, but I, was like, man, I was like, my dad is an asshole. Like, you know what I mean? But yeah. it wasn't until I became like an adult that I was like, no, he loved me, wanted me to be above average, wanted me to be great. You know, and to your point, like, I love the example you just said, it's, it's people show their love and affection in different ways, mm-hmm. some with gifts and some are, yeah, like, it's so funny that you describe it that way. That's, that really puts that into perspective. So tell us maybe, I want to get into the work you do. We have a few more minutes left. I know your time's valuable. I really thank you for everything in some of the work you do, because I think some people, I don't know what they're going through. Have you seen people that your story for sure is one of perseverance and one of literally coming out from the deep end, 1000%. Have you seen, or I don't know if, you, if if there's someone out there that's like, man, I've got it worse. I think sometimes we hear things and we're like, I got it worse than that. And I don't know if that makes sense if I'm right, but have you seen stories where, you know, people felt that way? And, you know, we just talked in my example, were there people that, you know, What's your advice to someone that says, no way, no one's got it as bad as me? What should that person do next, in your opinion? Well, I I will say that it's really natural for us to say, you know, no one has it worse than me because we're so stuck in our own stories that sometimes it's really difficult to step outside of it and see. I think, and this is when I work with the the people that I work with one-on-one in my coaching sessions, is that one of the first things I teach people is radical honesty because you need to get really honest with where you are in your life, what you've gone through, 
but also accept responsibility that, you know, okay, I, this is where I am, but, and I've gotten here by the choices that I've made, some voluntary, some involuntary, but this is where I want to go. So I have to be honest and responsible now for the choices that I want to make. So for myself, I wasn't responsible for the decade of child abuse that I received, but I also am responsible for not getting any follow-up care when I knew I should have, mm. you know, not going to see, you know, getting counseling, getting therapy, that not as a child, I'm talking as an adult, you know, yeah. those decisions were mine. So get really honest with yourself about where you are, how you got there, you know, looking at the choices that you've made. And, you know, life is, you know, you talk about if you want to use the running analogy, like you set your running course of where you want to go, right? And you know the route that you're going to take to get there. So we need to look at here's where I am. Here's where I want to be. What do I need to get there? And what do I need mm -hmm. to equip myself with? You know, like running shoes, good, you know, and I Apple Watch or whatever, like whatever you need to equip yourself with to get to that spot. So whether it's, going to see a coach, going to see a counselor, getting on medication if you suffer from, from mental health and, and medication is something that you need. But, you know, it's when you put it in that analogy, we have to be responsible for the routes that we're going to take in the life and the choices that we're making. Absolutely. Do you see, I have a family member, I don't want to say like, you know, too much, but do you also see people tend to also, you, you said we have to have some kind of some self-awareness and, and re, come to reality on things. Do you see sometimes people who, in my experience, some of the woe is me people that you meet on a daily basis that are, I hate saying this because I think that it's not their fault necessarily, but I know a lot of people who are Debbie Downers. They're very negative people. Mm -hmm. Do you think those type of people, like they're, it's a, a little bit of self-sabotage. Is that also kind of, that's the kind of vibe I got from your statement too. It's like, look, yes, we understand you're not happy, but some of this is your own fault. You're not happy. You're, you're sabotaging this. I mean, if you watch, you know, I can't, I'm not gonna lie. If you watch any of these like dating shows or reality shows, you can't help but watch it and be like, oh man, that person is just a, a train wreck, right? Yeah. Like they sabotage themselves. What's your advice to people that exactly like that, where you really got to tell them like, look, hon, or, you know, sir, you're making this way more difficult than it has to be. Like, you know what I mean? Like, how can you fix people like that? I, what's well, funny, because I, I heard this phrase on Dr. Phil and it always stuck with me. It's like, how's that working for you? Right. You know, like when I have, you know, people that are coming in and they're saying, you know, because I have clients that'll come in and they'll be talking about everything that they're going through. And th these are the choices that they're they're making. And I'm like, well, how's that working for you? Yeah. And, you know, and, you know, they'll step back and because that's the, the key is if you can get someone to step back and step out of where they're at and kind of get that mile high view of, okay, now I, you know, I can look objectively at my situation because when you're in it, it's really difficult to see it. You know, that whole adage, you can't see the forest for the trees because you're so deep and thick into it that you can't really see around it. So if you can get yeah. someone to step out of it enough. But just asking the questions, like getting, well, how's that working for you? Because they're going to obviously say it's not. And it's yeah. like, because, you know, I was the queen of self-sabotage, you know? And I mean, even now I see little behaviors, you know, like, yeah, I'll come home and throw on reality TV and spend an hour watching garbage or yeah. I'll go down the TikTok yeah. wormhole. And two hours later, I'm realizing that I didn't, you know, make the calls that I was supposed to make. So self-sabotage yeah. is so real and so easy to yeah. do. 
but it's just creating that sense of awareness in yourself and in the other people. So, Oh my God, this was, uh, I know we're kind of, kind of coming up on time here. This was amazing real quick. I'd love to have you back maybe even for 45 minutes to an hour, but I I apologize. I know both of us have, have uh, other meetings coming up. Um, Charlene, I want to thank you first of all, but let's not just, just end, but please one, um, I'd love to, you know, talk to you some more, you know, offline. And I think there's a lot you can help our customers and clients and our listeners. I mean, with two, please, um, as we say goodbye, are you accepting clients virtually? I know our company obviously being nationwide and we have Canada and everything that we reach. Are you accepting clients maybe virtually and where, if so, or even just your messaging and if you do a blog or anything, where can people reach you? And um, I think you believe, correct me if I'm wrong, if you have your own show, but where can people reach you? How can you reach Charlene Madden? How can you get in contact with Charlene Madden if if you'd like to? Mm-hmm. Facebook, you can find me on, on all kind of the social media platforms. So I have um, Charlene Madden, speaker and author on Facebook. I have a workshop that I run once a year. So that is usually the second weekend in November. And it's called Ignite Your Life. So you can go on there and check that out as well. And my wellness page where I do all my bookings through is Ascension Wellness Studio. So you can reach out to me on there. And I always like to leave just not a plug, but I always just like to say before I end a podcast is that I know what it feels like to sit in the dark and I I don't want anyone to ever feel that way. I am available for you to reach out to me on social media 24 hours a day. And if you're feeling stuck and you have no one to talk to, please reach out to me. I will virtually come and sit in the dark with you as long as you need me to. And I will help you raise rise up into the light. So, cause you're never alone. So that's, I mean, that's, that's like, it's like, that's like saint work. And I, I, I commend you for that everyone. And, and it's, I think that's kind of like even an entrepreneurial kind of spirit in a positive way, not of a making money way. I love that. You're like, look, I've been through this. I know what it's like. I'm going to help you out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's what we need in the world. Yeah. So uh, Charlene, thank you so much for your time. Um, everyone, thank you for listening. And I, I'm, I'm sure everyone got, I know I got a lot of inspiration. Uh, we're recording this on a Friday, so I know what I'm. I'm going to try to do a, be a little better this weekend around my family and be a little more. You know, it's it's funny sometimes. I think you need little reality checks and reminders. And Charlene, you gave that to me. Thank you so much. Thank you. And Charlene, thank you for being on here. Everyone else out there, enjoy your runs, enjoy your week weekend. Uh, whenever you listen to this podcast, and we'll be back for the next episode. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Charlene. Thank you.